0: Like I said, my name is Sasha Clark. I have actually been in my experiment for about, well, it was 2010 when I was first introduced to human design. A friend of mine is a yoga instructor now. She was a coach, life coach at the time. And she was really interested in using human design to help people with businesses. And I was running a network marketing business at the time, selling essential oils, which I still do, but I don't, it's not my full-time passion anymore. And um, I still use the products, love them, but she was hoping to, um, use human design to help me with my structuring my business and other people in my downline. And I just wanted to talk to her about my relationship with my daughter, (laughs) who was a teenager at the time. And she and I were like, she has a defined solar plexus and mine is completely undefined. So I was amplifying tons of energy from her and she was yelling it back at me. And then I would yell it back at her and then she'd yell it back at me. And, um, (laughs) and so we did a lot of really cool work with Sarah, my friend, and um, broke a lot of patterns in those six months we worked together. But beyond that and learning that I was a projector and with all these open centers, I didn't really absorb a whole lot more than that because it was just a lot to do that. So um, I also have a background in education and psychology. I'm a a homeschool teacher. Obviously, I've taught in our religious school. um, And then I used to do 12 years of counseling. So I have a lot of uh, I'm a six-two, so I have a lot of embodied experience with some of these energies. Um, and it, none of this makes me an expert, but I just hope that uh, that we can learn from each other, and that some question you ask will spark some memory of mine, and it'll be awesome for you. <laughs> so that's all. I love that that synergy that happens between homeschool moms because we know tons of random stuff about everything. So, um, so my first couple points have to do with if you pull up your child's chart, your student's chart, the. One of the things we're looking for is whether or not the sacral center is defined. And if you've been in human design space for any amount of time, you know that if it's colored in or defined, then that means they're a generator or a manifesting generator. And if it's open or undefined, which it would be white, and then they're probably a projector, a manifester, or they might be a reflector, which is more rare, but um, they're definitely not a generator. And the reason this is important is because a lot of the tasks we go through in school require us to communicate back and forth. And so I've learned with my own, I have a, a family of, we're a family of six. So my husband's a generator, I'm a projector, my oldest daughter is a generator, my youngest, my middle two boys are both generators, and then my youngest is also a projector and um, so everyone, all the people in my family that have a defined sacral center, you can really get their attention just asking them a yes or no question. Like, did you eat lunch yet? And then they'll, they will stop and they'll say, you know, no, I haven't. I'm actually really hungry, you know. Or um, did you notice your brother's the look on his face when you were? throwing that at him or whatever, like there is something activating about hearing a spoken question in yes or no format. And, um, and Karen teaches this too, because she'll like teach you to do sacral sessions with generators as a coach. And you can do that with your children. We start off like asking yes or no questions that they do know the answer is for sure. Yes. Like what color are your eyes? What's your favorite color? Do you like not, I'm sorry. Those are bad examples. Are your eyes blue? (laughs) is your favorite color green? You know, do you love pizza and things that, you know, the answer is yes. And it can start like, I don't know, kind of like um, priming the pump a little bit so that then they're more favorable to answering other questions and they're kind of tuning into that sacral energy. Um, It's really helpful if you're guiding their decision about something. Um, But it's also important uh, when we are doing difficult work, especially my middle boy, he's taking a lot of advanced math his age and so sometimes I just break down the problem into just what's the next yes or no question I could ask to help get him in the moving in the right direction because once his train gets moving he could usually carry on to the end but if he gets stuck in that frustration place um, he can plateau really easily and that's okay too then we just come back to it a different day Uh, One time we took like three weeks off of math in February because he was so frustrated. And frustration is a key emotional energy for generators. And when we came back to it, it was like nothing had bothered him in the first place. So he just must have needed a brain break. It's fine. Um, The other interesting thing I find with my generators is that they really do need to exhaust their sacral energy before they can sleep well at night. So that might mean taking a walk around the neighborhood if you haven't really done a lot of PE yet throughout the day. So, um, and it's so funny because it used to annoy me. My husband, when they were toddlers, my husband would like wrestle with them before bed, but then they go to sleep a lot easier. But I'm like, why do you get them all riled up right before bed? Well, he's a generator too. So he's like, why? Well, you know, you just have that a little bit of push left in you. You might as well spend it playing with the kids, you know? So um, if their sacro center is undefined, then it's, uh, I find that my youngest, especially like if I just ask him a yes or no question, one, I'm starting to condition his sacral center to answer, even though he doesn't know the answer. And we don't want him to do that because then he's going to start um, I mean, conditioning that sacral is a, something most projectors and manifestors and reflectors are working very hard to work out of as adults. So we don't want to start the conditioning process. Uh, we can just flip those questions into more open minded or open ended questions like, um, like today we were talking about Christopher Columbus, um, in school and I was just like, Hey, Jonah, I wonder what you know about Christopher Columbus. And he threw out a couple of things that he had heard in a song and watched on a show. I think one of them was a bug, bun, bug, bug, bugs, bunny show, but, um, that's just an open-ended question. He might've said, I don't remember anything. That's also a good answer. Um, we talk a lot about like, what do you notice? What are you observing? Um, how are you feeling about that? Uh, what's interesting to you? That's another good question to ask my undefined student, child. <laughs> um, he is also, his his bedtime pattern is unique because we actually need to lay down for at least 15 minutes sometimes. I mean, and he's a... He's got a defined throat. So what his sacral energy ends up doing is like spilling out of his vocal cords at night. So we lay down and suddenly he's chatting my ear off for like 15 minutes. And then I finally will go, okay, I'm going to let you like, let's do one more thing. You can say one more thing because the throat can almost mimic a, a motor center in the body graph um, because it. Well, because it's a manifestation center. So if I just let him keep talking, he'll never talk himself into tired. So (laughs) he's got a defined throat. Now I would eventually talk myself out. I have an undefined throat, but he's not that way. And so um, I eventually go, okay, let's pick the one. What's your one more like? super important thing that you have to tell me before you can close your eyes. And then he'll pick something. It's usually three somethings because, again, he's got a divine throat. And um, and then I go, okay, now it's time to close our eyes and shut our voice off and try to, to just relax. And I'll lay there with him for another it's usually two and a half minutes literally after he stops talking and closes his eyes and he's out and um that's my experience too as a projector i do not have trouble sleeping anytime any day almost anywhere as long as whoever's driving is safe (laughs) and so um and it's not because i'm tired all the time it's just like it is a way for me to cope with all this extra energy that's not mine that's flowing through my body all the time and sometimes it's just nice to just shut like like restarting your computer is kind of what it feels like for me so um, so that's my two points is making sure they're getting their sleeping needs met and then just adjusting the questions based on their sacro center. Um, <clears throat> point number three is about profile lines. Um, and this is just some general tips about the profile lines. I won't read through them because you have the slides, but um, m- my biggest observation is really just like that line one needing a lot more of a structured systematic approach to their education. Um, I find that as homeschool teachers, we tend to pick a curriculum that resonates for us or that we feel like we could master the act of teaching it. Um, For example, um, I've been using classical, I love classical education. I've been using that for a long time for social studies specifically. And then it also really gives a good solid schema of math facts and science facts for them to build more information on later. Um, I like it because I don't have to worry That we won't get there. And that's something I need to know. I need to feel, I need to feel prepared, but I'm finding that my second and third boy don't need as much of that solid foundation because they get the concepts, the bigger concepts, easier. they're two fours. So they get, they're very adept at getting the big key concepts right away. They can't always show you how they got to that answer, but they definitely can get the right answer. Um, and that doesn't mean that they don't know the answer. It just means that they may need a little more time talking about the relationship between concepts in order to um, establish the process in in their write the process down in their mind. So, um, and when we get to question and answer, if you want to come back to the slide, we can definitely talk more about your particular profiles. Um, in your, in your home. Uh, point four, which I kind of alluded to, is about the throat center. Is it defined or undefined? Typically, children that have it defined need to talk during class time. Oops, I got ahead of myself. Um, and so, again, just inviting them. <laughs> to be honest with you, my five-year-old, um, the projector, wasn't even really supposed to be at the dinner table anymore when we were doing the Christopher Columbus thing this morning. Um, and so, I thought it was really cute that you know I invited him into the conversation and he had something valuable to contribute to the conversation with that defined throat and he's obviously listening in other places so a lot more more is caught than taught sometimes, right? Um and so I find that it's really helpful to um, draw in the the children with the defined throat will start interrupting if they don't get invited to participate in the conversation. The children with the undefined throat so two of my boys are undefined, they are actually waiting to they have um, kind of a projector sense about them like they're waiting to be invited in to share their their thoughts or their contribution to the conversation so we want to make sure and keep that in mind I um, not to say that they don't chit chat a lot or giggle and goof around but um, as far as like sharing something that they're a theory they're working on or something they're not sure about you really have to kind of draw them out and I think before human design, I might have considered that to be shy, but it's really just this energy of the throat center that gets activated by questions if they're undefined. So, um, and my last point is really about the circuitry. I'm sh- I'm not sure how much circuitry you've gone over, but in the body graph, um, you can see that on the left-hand side, I have basically all of the left-facing circuits filled in in that chart. These are makeup charts. I just made them up for the the example here on the right side most of the stuff to the right so this is what you would call the abstract or um, the sense the understanding um I'm sorry unsta- understanding and logical is on the left and the sensing and more abstract is on the right um and so the the logical side of the circuitry are people children who tend to see patterns over time but it's always in a in a past facing direction. Um, and so then they often want to change the pattern so they don't keep repeating it for the future. And whereas the, the abstract sensing children are more like forward thinking, um, sometimes in the now, but a lot of like... Projecting forward into the next month or six months, like where if I keep doing this, where is this going to go? You know, and so each one of them has its own strength. I actually have I, interesting. You may I don't know if you're interested in knowing, but I think it's fascinating that I have exact like equal sides of the the pattern seeking and the and the abstract sensing. Um, and so you you can go through and just number the amount of gates that are more to the left. And the number of gates defined in your child's chart that's more to the right, whichever one's a little heavier than you know, that's kind of giving you a clue to their learning style that they may. So if they're more right brained or sensing abstract, they will maybe need to retell some of the information in a story form. Um, Again, my youngest is. Uh, he's not my favorite, but I just happened to th- go through this with him recently. So <laughs> I have lots of examples about him. But he, we were talking about um, some math fact, and he couldn't remember it. But then I asked him to tell me a story about a time when we did that same math fact. And he was able to recall the story, and then he realized he knew the answer. And so like that storytelling or songs, he does. he, re- he knows tons of multiplication facts just because he's memorized math fact songs. Not on purpose, but my older boys were doing it as part of their curriculum, and he just was listening to it and caught on to it. so, um, now, my oldest boy is much more left brain and much more visual um and so he really, like with his language arts, we have really had to do a systematic layered approach to learning how to spell, for example and um and that's just something that uh we're we're looking at getting him tested for dyslexia um. He's responding so well to my adjustment in the curriculum that I don't know if it's, like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen when we get him tested. And I'm not saying that all people that are left-brained are dyslexic, but once I change, um, dyslexic also need a very sequential approach to spelling. So um, I don't, so I just don't know. I don't know. (laughs) i just leave it there. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out, but um, but you can just make sure that you're structuring things um, so that there's a little bit of review built into the lessons occasionally. A lot of curriculums are built in a circular view, um, circular process anyway, where you're reviewing and then taking a new skill on, and then reviewing and taking a new skill on, and that's really good for left brain people. So, um, oh, the other thing I wanted to say about sacral center. Um, and not the SACRO center being defined or undefined before we get into individual circuitry, is that um, I've also found that undefined SACRO children don't need worksheets. Like, they don't need busy work necessarily. Once they've mastered uh, something, um, it's okay to move forward and come back and review. Whereas my generators, they, do, um, they don't they do really feel like we're doing school unless I give them something like tangible like a worksheet or something to practice what they're learning. And again, I feel like that's just part of like, I need to expend a certain amount of energy to feel like I did school today. So I I'm like, okay, if you don't feel like we did school, here's a worksheet I can work with that. <laughs> you know? um, and they're also really good. The, the generators here to master stuff. So some of it's just like, I have to keep practicing. So I can master that, whereas my projector, they're here really more about systems. And so once he's kind of figured out how it all works together, we can sort of move on, you know. Um, And there's just really no reason, um, again, other than to just keep it fresh by reviewing. There's really no reason to give him extra busy work unless he's super, super interested in something. So Um, and again, I just mean busy work for the sake of busy work. I don't mean that worksheets are always busy work. (laughs) either. I break my homeschool curriculum into like um, content subjects and then skills we need to drill. So like spelling and math facts, those are things we do almost every day, whether the kids need to or not. So um, because it's a skill, handwriting is also a skill. You know, some of these things just need to, you just need to do so many reps before you're going to master it. Um, Okay, giftedness. The, the, um, The circuitry you're seeing on the slide now is what we call the individual circuitry. And my hunch is that a lot of homeschooling parents are also have a strong, um, a, a higher amount of the individual circuitry in the chart. It usually goes right down the middle and then right kind of like the inside fold of the out of the the rounder parts of the, the chart. And again, you can add up and see how many gates in your your chart or your child's chart are in this individual circuitry. Um, they have a real, mutative or evolutionary type effect on other people and inside themselves um, They the, the one um, a couple gates you probably want to write down is gate 43 gate 38 and gate 39. Those three gates are called the deaf gates and those three gates are the energy of that those three gates are meant to protect the individual with this individual circuitry from being overly conditioned by the collective. And so they what that looks like, my one son that has two of these three gates, I literally feel like I'm repeating myself to him all the time. And I've learned recently a trick to avoid having to do that because I get really frustrated with my open throat and feel unheard and that gets me into bitterness real fast. So I we've kind of learned a trick to where I will say, hey, can I interrupt your thinking for a second? I have something important I want to tell you. And again, he's a generator. So that's a yes or no question. And sometimes he'll wait and go, okay, I've stopped thinking about what I was thinking about now. Now I can listen. And that really, really helps because he said, yes, just kind of an invitation for me. That's cool. Um, But also he, the first time I did that, he almost cried. He was like, wait a minute, what do you, why did you just do that? And I said, Well, because I know, because he has all this individual circuitry. I didn't tell him that, but I'm like, I just know you well enough. I think half the time you're like really thinking about big, deep things that you aren't ready to like talk about yet. And so I know I'm interrupting something when you're that you're thinking about all the time. And I just wanted to start honoring that. And he just about cried. And he's like, do you think you could tell my dad that too? Because <laughs> he interrupts my thinking all the time, he said. <laughs> so um, that's the power of human design is being able to really see. the, the Like, I don't think my nine, he's my nine-year-old. I don't think he could have articulated that he needed that from us if he'd even tried. Because how does he, how do you have language for like, I was really trying to solve the world's problems and you wanted to talk to me about my laundry. And I can't stop thinking about that to listen to you because I'm almost on a breakthrough, you know, and, or whatever. I'm, he's, it's sometimes it's not world problems. Sometimes he's just trying to figure out how to get the boss and Mega Man or whatever, but still he's got a very um, like constant, again, back to that dual core processor. He has one processor working on a problem at all times and, it's a lot of busy work inside of his head, but, um, but it's there and it's part of his giftedness. Um, The other thing that Karen teaches about gifted children is that um, they will show like a proclivity in something like whether that's languages or math, science or something. And um, just that the, the, just, I just want to honor that you're, you're homeschooling or considering homeschooling because these kids really um, would wouldn't feel like ever that they would fit in, in a a public school setting they just they kind of don't really feel like they fit in in their families even um, and I uh, my one boy has a lot of strong individual energy. He's my oldest and I tell him sometimes that like you are a little quirky, you are a little weird but I love you exactly like this. you're totally okay to be you are in my home and um, because I don't think he always feels like people can take it you know in other places. And I just want him to know that it's totally okay to live.